0: You're listening to Warwick Radio Online, the voice of Warwick, Rhode Island. To one who was but slightly acquainted with the bay, as in the case of Lieutenant Duddington, it must have appeared as if the captain of the Hanna was confident that he could cross the point on whatsoever course he pleased and unless the King's officer had a better navigator on board than I believed probable, the Gatsby was like to come to grief. Then, to further deceive our pursuer, the packet was brought considerably to the westward. Immediately we had rounded the shoal of the point, and this maneuver so far lessened the distance between the vessels that hardly more than a mile separated them. This was the moment when the angry commander of the king's vessel might be tempted into a grievous error, and I watched eagerly the approaching craft, unable to restrain a shout of joy, as I saw her bow swing around until she was coming on a direct line for us. Such a course would bring them well up on the point, where, at that time, could be no more than two feet of water, and to take ground on the ebb tide meant serious trouble for him, who had, during the three months past, given his entire attention to troubling others. Steadily, the Gatsby kept her course, and I suppose the thick-headed lieutenant, who had warded it over us so long, believed that in a few moments he would be able to pitch a shot into the hannah. But before five minutes had passed, the situation was better understood. Then it was that the Gatsby, bringing up with a jerk as she struck the shoal of the point, heeled over for an instant as the wind came in puffs and forced her yet farther up on the sand. After that, she lay nearly on her beam ends, helpless, and even a landsman might have seen that she must perforce remain in the same situation until the spring tides should set her free.
1: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. My name is Scott Nerney. I grew up in Warwick and have been a homeowner for over 30 years in our lovely city. My goal with this podcast is to highlight what is special about Warwick and how you can get the most from our seaside community. This podcast is being presented by the Warwick Center for the Arts, located next to Warwick City Hall, where amazing artists showcase their artwork year-round in their beautiful gallery, in addition to many exciting classes for children and adults. Our guest today is John Howell. He's the editor and publisher of the Warwick Beacon, We invited him here to talk a little bit about the Gatsby, the hunt for the Gatsby, and all the work that he's been doing with the Rhode Island Map Project. John, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for supporting us.
2: Yeah, well, thank you, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here and talk about something that uh, is very pertinent today, and I think on the minds of people, because this is the year of the 250th anniversary of the burning of the Gatsby. And you mentioned MAP, and MAP stands for the Marine Archaeology Project, and of course RI MAP is the Rhode Island Marine Archaeology Project. A little bit about that: um, the project, uh, the director of the project is uh, Dr. Kathy Abbas, and she's been involved in identifying. Um, a number of vessels, Revolutionary War vessels in the bay, actually 10 of them, as well as um, the boat that Captain Cook sailed around the world and was uh, credited with the discovery of Australia. So um, she's got a lot of credentials. In the last four or five years, she launched a project called not not the Gatsby. And what prompted this was, or I should say, is two wrecks off of Gatsby Point. Uh, one of them that uh, became quite evident in the last eight to ten years uh, on Green Island. Uh, as the sands washed away from Green Island, uh, the skeleton of this vessel emerged. And there were calls even to the beacon that. You know, the Gatsby is out there. Just go look on Green Island. Uh, That would have been great. Uh, Sure. But uh, this vessel was considerably longer, about 100 feet total. And uh, it is now pretty well washed away. It's broken up uh, into pieces. But Dr. Abbas assembled a group of volunteers, uh, one of them being uh, Representative Joe McNamara, who's become a real champion for the work that she does. And they went out and measured these uh, wrecks, uh, did research as to uh, records on uh, shipping traffic in the bay, trying to figure out exactly what boats they were, how long they had been there. And they really cut their teeth in terms of archeological research and what needs to be done in establishing uh... the credibility of some of these uh, wrecks, so uh... with that sort of experience behind her and her group uh... last summer they uh, they did a uh... A sort of walkthrough of the point uh... measuring taking measurements trying to figure out how much uh... the point is actually moved in all the decades that have passed and as you're probably aware, it's not a stable area, so right. this this moves around. And even following a storm, uh, sands and stuff will have uh, shifted and debris will have been washed up and that sort of thing. Uh, but she had some uh, side sonar scans done of the point and that revealed two possible targets— uh, that seem to fit, in terms of length, uh, the possibility of—or would fit to, to the Gatsby. One of them, she thinks, is a vessel that actually uh, sank in the, in the 60s, and, uh, and the other, she thinks, might uh, even be uh, ballast stones from uh, a, a vessel— Now, whether it's the Gaspi or not, uh, we don't know. Um, But given that bit of information, uh, there's considerable interest in looking further and seeing, in fact, what it is. And this seems like no better time, uh, you know, with the, the anniversary. And the other part of it I think that interests me so much is the fact that this story, um, certainly from my perspective, I didn't know about the Gatsby till I started editing the paper in Warwick. And, uh, you know, the Gasby, to my way of thinking, was uh, part of Canada. The Gatsby Peninsula was just about all I'd heard of. <laughs> I'd never heard of a, of a ship called the Gasby. Right. And I've yet to understand why it was named the Gatsby. But it it was, and uh, we know the story, and uh, but the story is sort of a Rhode Island secret, and I think that 250th anniversary of the nation soon to be celebrated. Uh, this is really the the kickoff to it, and should be recognized as such, and quite hopefully, our efforts to find the Gatsby, or I should say, you know, uh, the Marine Archaeology Project's efforts to find it uh, will get picked up by national media. And the story of the Gatsby will will go on, will sail to other parts of this country rather than just sticking with Rhode Island.
1: I would love to see that. I mean, I know the Titanic really kind of set the bar for finding things and There's a lot of ships that they found in the bottom of uh, the Great Lakes because it's deep and and cold always seems to be a benefit. But in Rhode Island, we have a lot of silt in that bay. So things that go down there take extended period of time to to decay. So it's a little bit to our advantage. But just imagine a history channel or discovery or somebody picking something like this up. Um, I think of the... Curse of Oak Island. Those guys do pocket stories like this all the time. I think it would be fantastic to hear the first shots of the revolution that were fired in Rhode Island and make it more of a, a United States story. Oh, I absolutely agree. In fact, when the first signs
2: of a ship on Green Island appeared, I I went out. I rode out to to see what what was there, and. Uh, was in contact with the History Channel, saying there's a an unknown vessel that seems to be showing itself. The sands are being, you know, or revealing this, and they got very excited because immediately they thought of the Gatsby as well. Um, but it was quickly, you know, it, Henry Brown, who is a historian. If you haven't had him on your uh, show, I would suggest you get him because his knowledge of what's Happened in the city and obviously in Rhode Island as well is is really deep. And he said, "Oh, now that's an old coal barge that they burned <laughs> on the Fourth of July." <laughs> wow. So, but that hasn't been proven either.
1: So, and what is uh, Dr. Abbas's timetable for when she wants to start working on this? Well, interesting enough, uh,
2: even though you're you're dealing with volunteers, which would indicate that this is, you know, a low-budget type of exploration. Um, she's put together a budget of thirty-two thousand to do step one of the exploration, and another fifty or so to do the, the next step. Um, I was amazed and heartened by the fact that uh, we contacted uh, several possible sources of funding and within, I'd say, three weeks, raised at least 35000 So she's ready to do the first step uh, with her group, and that would be as soon as uh, this June. Wow.
1: Um, and I'm sure people can stay tuned on The Beacon and your website to follow what's happening? Uh, quite obviously, they can.
2: Uh, but as I've said, you know, I really hope that a lot more media picks up on this and starts, you know, recognizing the the importance of this event and talking about this.
1: So uh, quite hopefully you're going to see it a lot of places. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I I really look forward to the story getting out. I know, John, we do have a few uh, listeners in England, some family members. So them hearing this type of story, getting a lot of press, uh, they're still proud of what happened and, and how they kind of gave birth to America. So, right. Um, talking, to- talking of which, I don't know
2: whether you saw the Harold out of Scotland, Edinburgh, did a full-page story in the beginning of March on the captain of the Gatsby, Dunningston, who was Scottish. Yes. So, uh, and... As as I'm sure you know, he was not very well liked in these quarters.
1: No, I don't think there was any uh, sorrow for him no longer being a captain and uh, shooting him, but letting him live was uh, a nice thing for them to do, at least. It was. <laughs> yeah. And John, you've brought a, a book that you found uh, about the Gatsby. Can you give us a little background on that? It's an interesting
2: uh, book that actually. Joe McNamara somehow got a hold of, a friend of his, I think, passed it along. Um, It's about 100 years old. Uh, It is – the author of the book is James Otis. And in a preface, he talks about using the letters of uh, various people who were involved in the Gatsby incident that he was able to find through his research – And he tells the story based uh, supposedly on those letters. And uh, the story that emerges is gives, or I should say, lends a lot of color to this whole thing. The fact that the packet, uh, the Hannah, um, was actually uh, sailing from New York. uh, that among the passengers was John Brown, who— was a very well-to-do um, member of the community here, and uh, you know, had built up quite a com commerce and so forth. Sure, and talked about talks about the reputation of Dunningston and um, how he. In fact, they even call him a pirate, sort of a licensed pirate of the the king, to stop vessels, uh, extract. Uh, whatever he wanted from them in the form of taxes. And it wasn't just big, you know, commercial vessels, but it was even smaller boats. Uh, And he would, in fact, uh, also appropriate livestock from uh, farmers who happened to live uh, on the water up and down the bay as well without any compensation for what he was taking. So his reputation uh, he was he was not liked by by people and uh he was known to extract whatever he could in the king's name and as i mentioned when we started before uh starting the program here there were a number there have been a number of uh sort of quote conspiracy theories as to how and uh uh Dunningston was lured into chasing the Hannah to begin with. And one of them is that uh the word was put out that the Hannah would be carrying sterling and there was a need to do this because uh the banks in Newport as well as Providence, this was the easiest way to, to move money around was by doing it by by ship. Right. And uh, the weather was good, and this seemed like the you know the time to do it. but also the theory is or the behind it is that they realized this was going to be a moon tide. The tide was ebbing, and uh and it was designed to sail over Namquid Point at at a time that the, the Hanna could navigate it because it was shallower draft, knowing full well that the Gatsby couldn't. Um, another part of that sort of, quote, story is that uh, the Gatsby depended upon local pilots uh, that they had aboard or, you know, at least one pilot to point out where – where it was going to be dangerous to sail, and you know, because there were no navigational aids, there were no lighthouses or, you know, channel markers or anything like that. Right. So they depended on the local knowledge to avoid running into rocks or aground. And uh, but for some mysterious reason, uh, on June ninth, uh, seventeen seventy-two, uh, there were no pilots available to uh, Dunedin.
1: Oh, isn't that a shame, huh?
2: Isn't that a shame? So <laughs> had that been planned, mm-hmm. uh, you could certainly, in good Rhode Island tradition, come up with a conspiracy theory. So uh, that's that's another one that's out there.
1: Well, I think there's a lot more to this story. I'm really looking forward to the doctor's uh, research and a couple of steps that we can follow I think it's going to be a really great story, especially if we do or do not get results. I'm hoping we do, obviously, but there'll be a lot more coming out, some of the information you've put. We'll put some information about the book on our uh, our podcast notes, so people may uh, attempt to go out and try to find it, or at least some passages of it, and I think uh, looking at the conspiracies and the, the more breadth of the story will be fantastic. Thank you to John Howell for spending some time with our audience today and sharing insights on Warwick life. It's a great time to be in Warwick, and for those not living the Warwick life, come pay us a visit. Keep up with the beacon and the doctor's research on the Gatsby. I think there's a lot more story to come. We'll love to see it come to fruition and a national story and see everything we have to offer. That wraps up another edition of Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. If you have any comments, content suggestions, or questions, drop us a line at warwicklife at gmail.com. Thank you to Tester Manuelian for our lead-in and closing music. She's a music major with an incredible career ahead of her. Lastly, don't forget to check out Warwick Center for the Arts at warwickcfa.org. See you next time.
0: You're listening to Warwick Radio online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.